Hello and welcome to another Woodshop Podcast with Mike Coffey of Coffee Custom Builds, Daniel Dunlap of Daniel Dunlap Woodworks, and Peter Kapar of Petrie's Workshop. You can find us all as well as the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Another Woodshop Podcast. Yo, 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 What's yo, going yo. on, gentlemen? Hello, buddy. What's up, brother? Oh, you wow, know, just guys. Uh, doing a podcast with you. We're in a double digits. This feels great. We're cruising. Oh, yeah. I feel like uh, it's just like a Sunday routine now. I mean, yep. start Saturday. We finish Sunday. It's so a very long recording time. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a 36-hour <laughs> recording process every time yep. we're able and to we pull cut out it down almost to an, hour. an hour of good material. <laughs> this is Sunday? <laughs> dead air and I was sleeping. Uh, it's Rona Day. Rona Day. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Uh, happy Memorial Day. Well, you know, I think tomorrow's Memorial Day. And I think what yeah, we're going to well, be... Yeah, well, it's the Memorial Day weekend. Right, it's the Memorial Day weekend. listening to this on a Wednesday, right. you're going to be like, wait, wasn't that <laughs> happy, last week? Happy past <laughs> Memorial Day, future Peter. I don't know that any of that really matters because today is know, another that, special that's, that's, day. No, 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 no that, that's it's all that matters. It's Pete's that's birthday. <laughs> and <laughs> on Sunday, May 24th, uh, well, I don't know if it was a Sunday, but on May 24th, 32 years ago... <laughs> Tuesday. A, a little tiny baby was born in Poland, and <laughs> he grew up to be an international podcaster with almost 11 and a half episodes under his belt. <laughs> Making tens of dollars. Tens of Wait, dollars. You're, you're getting paid? Oh, <laughs> you're getting, well, you guys are getting paid Dan, for this? Dan wasn't supposed to know. <laughs> oh, we've been splitting his check this whole time. <laughs> You bastard, bastard. Checks from grandma. Checks <laughs> from Pete's grandma. She's a dear. Uh, she's uh, thank she's you guys. I really income. appreciate it. Yeah, happy birthday, buddy. Just another year. You know, I am um, usually you do the throw to the workbench, but I'm going to steal it and say, Pete, what are you working on your workbench this week? Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, that is. What I am doing. working. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I worked on a couple more. Um, oh, I worked on cutting boards this week. Uh, so it felt like Christmas again because so I haven't touched them since boards. then. I didn't start more. Oh. I'm finishing Whoa, them. Whoa, who are and you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously with all this BS happening uh, with the Rona, mm-hmm. we're probably not going to have that many craft shows this year, if any. Not. So the stockpile that I made this Christmas for all the craft shows that I was going to do this summer is just sitting there. And I decided, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to list them on Etsy you know, post them on Facebook. So I started finishing them. Um, my pops, who's been in uh, basically self-quarantine for like a month and a half now, is losing his mind. Yeah. Uh, so he keeps coming into the shop and helping out. And he's offering to sand. And wow. I, I don't know if you guys know this, hate sanding. Right. Um, I don't, I don't like absolutely hate sanding, but it's just like when it's like hours of it, yeah. it's just much. So he's offered to sand and I was more than happy to let him do that. You're so, got a bunch of boards really finished. Sweet. I know. I just, I'm doing him a favor. Right. I mean, I am. <laughs> um, yeah. So, we cleaned up all the, uh, you know, we cleaned up all the end grain boards and got them all flattened out and uh, going to hit them with some oil this week. This week might be, or at least a couple of days is going to be a finishing week. Mm-hmm. You know, that week where you actually apply finish oils, everything to a bunch of stuff. So, I might actually finish some of the furniture around the shop. Nice. Finally. Uh, but I probably won't. I probably won't. I'll just probably just do the boards. <laughs> uh, I started also a a headphone stand. Uh, I have this really nice 3D printed one, and 
I really like the design. It's got this like modern futuristic look to it. And I'm going to make it out of cherry now with the same design. I'm just going to copy it, uh, but just apply it to wood and see how well I can do. And I'm going to throw in like an angled mortise in there, a bridle joint. Um, and as I was joking around in my stories, because I hate myself, it's just like slight angles just to make it more difficult. Uh, but I just kind of want to do it. I haven't done a mortise in like what it feels like forever. So, um, and I used to teach them in my class. Like my class that I taught was a, a table with half laps, mortise and tenons, all that stuff. Um, except I don't have a mortiser, so I'm going to be drilling and then chiseling. That's going to be exciting. And uh, aside from that, I put in some lights in here. Looks great. Put in some uh, lights that Mike recommended. You and look terrible with all great. that lighting. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> it's all actually It's really accentuating <laughs> more of your facial features. And it's not good. The incredible amount of flaws. It's really a lot of flaws in your face. <laughs> it's, it's kind of alarming. It's alarming. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thanks. <laughs> So that's been uh, that's been it. The, oh, and I added a lumber rack. That's it. The lighting that's does the look really it. a lot better in there. It looks really nice. Well, like half of my shop, I didn't realize I had two very bright lights. Mm -hmm. the, the lights that I currently have are bright, but they're just in there's spread four out section, uh, four foot section. Right. So oh, it's, right, right, right. Those you know, it's not really spread out. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. These I was able to like run all the way around. You guys see it. Yeah. Nobody else sees it. For everyone listening, look, uh, <laughs> it's running all the way behind me above like the garage door. So I actually get light from the back of the shop to the front, uh, which is really nice. So it's not as bright as those lights, but it's diffused way better. So awesome. I'm nice. happy. Plus I can see what the hell I'm doing on my CNC. Nice. That's, that's most helpful. important. Yeah. What about, what about you, Dan? What about me? What are oh, we talking about? Uh, Dan, what is on your bench this <laughs> oh, week? right, right. <laughs> um, Silly Dan. <laughs> Silly Dan. I, yesterday, I finished up those floating nightstands. Looks amazing. They're beefy and heavy. And I was I was thinking uh, Saturday night, I was like, I wonder if a French cleat is going to actually work. So I had to put a French cleat up in my shop in the only open spot in my garage. And they actually... It works quite well. I love French cleats. French cleats are the bomb, yeah, you know? They are. Dan, did you just say in the only open spot in my shop? Yeah. I hate you. <laughs> Why? You have so much free wall space. I literally have no wall space. <laughs> You're like an only free spot. <laughs> the Most of the free wall space that I have is all cinder block. So I don't want to like tap into a cinder block to put up a French cleat. Right. The <laughs> only free my dry wall my space <laughs> that I have. <laughs> Could you, uh, oh, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say, could you fur it out and put up a sh piece of sheet rock or a plywood up there? I could. Plywood. It's I could. a lot of work, but that would take a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. setting yeah. tap cons and stuff—that'd be a nightmare. Yeah. Mm. All right, stupid. That was stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. Carry on. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what else you got? I also have a few other projects coming up. I got to make the headboard for that bed I just finished uh, last week. That hickory bed. I've been working with a lot of hickory. Yeah. That stuff is amazing, though. It really is beautiful. I really, really enjoy it. Although it is hell on a table saw blade. Yeah. Really? I was cutting the miters for the for those <clears throat> nightstands, and it was burning so bad it set off my fire alarm in the shop. <laughs> really? <laughs> it did. How, how hard is hickory? It's really oh, hard. Oh, it is it's rock hard, man. ridiculously hard. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, oh, damn. Yeah. I, was cutting... I thought it was like hard maple type i think it's worse than twice that? as hard as hard maple on the, oh, on the yeah scale. it's ridiculous when i was running it through tools <clears throat> when i was making that edge of bench edge of bench clamp thing it would resist the tools like i could feel the like i could feel it resisting hitting router router bits in my table saw it's wow really oh, hard damn. stuff yeah it's crazy it's ridiculous <laughs> but it's gorgeous 
Yeah. And your nice yeah. Oh, no, it looks great. Amazing. I love and the gray. I usually pattern. use the what they call rustic hickory, mm-hmm. which I think is just a fancy way mm-hmm. to say we're going to charge you more for mm-hmm. crap hickory. Yeah. Yep. But it's got a lot of uh, knots, voids, and bark inclusions and stuff in it. So it has way more character, sapwood and heartwood. That's awesome. And uh, so, yeah, I just finished that up, and I need to do uh, a headboard for the bed. I, I finished last week, um, so I, I need to get paid for that project. So I need to do that, uh, well, Tuesday, because the lumber shop isn't going to be open until Tuesday because of the holiday. <coughs> What about that place you I, found? Is that place not open till Tuesday also? Oh, no, that's a just a local guy. Oh, just a dude. Um yeah, he doesn't have lumber like I usually I usually buy my lumber S3S. Right. From uh this my hardware rough. supplier. Yeah, the stuff he's got is all rough. Gotcha. And that that comes back to another topic. I found a sawmill that's literally a block away from me last night on Facebook. Amazing. I didn't know it was there. Amazing. <laughs> it's going to be nice yeah. if I ever need He's he's got some mammoth like walnut slabs. You have a way to machine all that, right? You have the joiner and the planer and all that stuff, right? Well, I have a bench top jointer. I mean, that's a joiner. Yeah, this is fine. Yeah, that's cool. You got and a twenty inch planer, right, to fit that in? No, twenty inch planer. Get out of here! It's ridiculous. Oh, <clears throat> uh, the dream. I know the dream. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I know. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see your tool. <laughs> and then I I I locked up a, a my. Probably my biggest project to date, like yesterday. So it's pumped be So excited. A big desk and two cabinets to go on either side of it. I'm really pumped. It's going to be out of solid walnut. You're going to kill it, dude. It's going to look so great. It's going to be amazing. It is. Anyway. Be amazing. <clears throat> enough about me. I rambled. No. Mike, what's up with you? Uh, most of my week consisted of working on this over toilet shelf thing. Um, Which looks awesome, by the way. Thank you. I really like it a lot. It's a, uh, it's nice. It looks really good. I like the design a lot. I'm really happy with it. It came out exactly how I envisioned it, which is one of the coolest things about woodworking. You can make something in your head real. Um, what else was going on this week? I put out a YouTube video with my first set of plans. That was exciting. It's not burning the world down or anything. I didn't think it would. It was it was an easy project to do an easy set of plans so I could learn how to make plans basically. Um, and those are available Testing for free. Waters. Huh? You're not charging for those plans yet? No, they're free. They're free. I have them up in my store, and I've actually had three people buy them. And I messaged them. I was like, hey, those are available for free. They're like, no, I know, which was really, really nice of them. So, Man, they're cool. better friends than I. Was <laughs> <laughs> Damn, the only reason I offered to proofread yours is because I thought I would get it for free. So. Right, and you can Ugh. on my blog post. And I can't, so I just wasted my time. <laughs> yeah. I just got it for free. Um, so they're free. I'm really happy with how it looks. That's going to be my template for all my plans moving forward. There'll be more de- – anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, that was that. Did a lot. Michael, it does matter. They were great plans. Thank you. I loved it. Um, thanks, buddy. And then the, the – plans uh, just said, make a box. Right. <laughs> and then you can make 99% of all furniture. <laughs> Albert yeah. Einstein. The, the plans just get longer from me. Yep. That's what she said. The and then uh, so sun Friday night I don't know when well Friday night I did a ton of sanding I had to sand that toilet shelf down and so that wood <clears throat> that thermally treated wood baked wood is um, it's very brittle as anticipated it's very very brittle it sands down it sands quick because it's so brittle the abrasive pads do really quick work of it I it was S three S I ripped it down to width and um, I started at 180 grit 
and had no problem sanding it down. So, I mean, they ran it through a nice planer when I when they milled it, so it was already pretty high. I didn't need to hit it with a low grit, but sanded with 180, then straight to 240, it was relatively quick. It could have taken a lot more time, but it sanded real nice, and it feels amazing. Uh, did the glue up on that, and the top piece cracked right down the middle. <laughs> oh. I don't know if you guys saw those stories, but um, I was – it just literally – cracked all the way down the middle because there was so on the the columns going up there was four columns and when i was when i was pulling it down with the clamp one of them had like literally at most a 16th of an inch gap so i decided to to wrench it down on the clamp to pull it down that 16th of an inch and that 16th of an inch cracked the board down the middle that's how brittle that stuff is damn Um, how'd you fix it did you fix it i did it i fixed it it was actually a pretty easy fix when i took it out of clamps it kind of Went back a little bit and level. So it wasn't like a, it was a break that sheared. So it kind of sheared down a little bit with the clamp wrenching. So when I released the clamps, it actually went back almost to perfect. And what I, and there was only a couple spots where there was blowout. And, um, I was able to hand sand it with some 240. And then I filled those two blowout spots with, uh, black star bond. And it looks nice. great. You can barely tell it's there. I mean, you have to look like really look in there. On the top, you can tell it's there. But that's six feet up and no one's going to look up there. So I'm not going to sweat it on that. If it was for a client, I'd cut that top off and redo it. But it's going in our bathroom and we're never even going to notice it. So over when you get up there to dust it. To do what now? If you only when you get up there to dust it. Yeah. Oh, I see. You have somebody tall using your bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's yeah. When we uh, we go in there to clean, I mean, we'll notice it. But no one uses our, our restroom but my wife and I. So, um. A bummer, but now I learned something about that wood, which is good. I've never used it before, and I'll probably use it again. I really like this stuff. I'm actually going down tomorrow to go look at – Um, they have a bunch of it that's really rough. I'm going to get a deal on. So I'm going to be using it because I want to use it for these Adirondack chairs I'm going to be building for our backyard. It's perfect for us. That's outside. a good idea. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So um, I purchased uh, Jackman's Adirondack chair templates over in the fall, and I haven't used them yet. It's like a really nice kit. It's got the full yep. CNC'd templates. And it's got the full breakdown. Anyway, so that's been on my bench. And um, what happened here? What else? Oh, I'm going to be – oh, I guess that's kind of really it. <laughs> I'm going to be spraying my first big piece starting as soon as we're done with the podcast here. But, yeah. Nice. nice. It's been kind of Woo! a week dedicated to that, and I can't wait to get on to the next <clears throat> projects. So, um, Dope. yeah, for sure. It's been a good well- week. So this week we're doing an all questions episode, right? The topic is questions. Yeah, it's all questions. Yeah, all, all the t- all day long. So we're gonna knock. Th- you guys have slammed us with so many questions, yeah. which we love. Yeah, absolutely love. Do not uh, we're, stop sending yeah, them in. Don't don't ever stop. Yeah, don't stop it. Uh, so we are gonna we're gonna go right into voicemails yep. and then uh, go through our typed out questions. Yeah, we've got some written in ones that I'll read here in a minute, but I'm gonna we're gonna get through these called in ones first so uh the first one is from ben with condorosa uh creations yes ben with condorosa creations so let me play that right now hey fellas ben with condorosa creations here love the podcast love everything you guys are doing and uh i appreciate you guys taking questions and giving advice it's awesome um thanks for taking my question a couple weeks ago i really appreciate it good advice and uh i had another one for you 
Um, my wife Debbie and I are getting into or trying to get into making some furniture. Um, we've never done it before. Um, and I was hoping that you guys might have a suggestion for maybe an easy entry level project that has some um, techniques in it that could help us um, hone our skills to make projects in the future. Um, just some something simple, and uh, I really look forward to your answer. And I hope that you guys uh, have a great day and a great Memorial weekend. Have a great one. Thanks a lot. Dan, I'm going to throw it to you. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I would... Dan, why don't you tell him the, the thing you told us before we started recording? What did I say? What do you, what do you think? You can't say that uh, on the what's air. What's a very nice, easy... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that joke's ruined. No. Um, <laughs> I would start with a Maloof rocker. <laughs> Some steam bending. Yeah. <laughs> no, but for real. Uh, start with, uh, I would start with something like pretty simple, like a, a, a little coffee table or maybe a little entryway bench or an entryway table. Something, you know, that's just got a bunch of straight lines. Nothing fancy. And uh, you can put it together however you'd like. Pocket holes or if you want to try a mortise and tenon, that's fine. Kind of work your way from there. Something very basic with very simple lines and joinery. What about you, Pete? Uh, I would recommend something very similar, yeah. So a little entryway bench or even like a, you know, little side table. Or like a bedside table, something where, you know, you might practice maybe a drawer or if you want just a simple top, you know, working on getting a flat top. I don't know what, you know, especially if it's somebody starting out uh, from scratch and then, you know, work with maybe some angled legs, try to see how would you attach those. Um, Practice by adding, you know, a skirt around the the whole table Uh, and then maybe some joinery. When I I started out, I was doing each project would implement one type of joiner in it. So whether it's a mortise and tenon, another project would be, I would be doing a couple of half laps or bridle joints or half lap joints or um, whatever. Um, and like the table that I teach, uh, so when I teach my intro to woodworking class at uh, my school, we teach basically with like a little side table or, you know, flower table or whatever. It's not really too tall. It's about usually about 22 inches tall. Um, but it it takes us all the way from milling down to gluing up the top, cutting out a circle out of it, so you have a nice round flat top, uh, and then we do basically two rectangles that then cross at an X, and those are the half lap joints. And the rectangles are built with mortises and tenons, so it gives you all of the basic kind of joinery um, and you know how to clean up because obviously you want mortise and tenon the first time. A lot of times it's not clean. You learn how to clean that up, how to fill gaps, um, how to make sure that they're tight but not too tight or too loose. So try something where you're doing a little bit of different joinery each time. And you can find a project like I go on Pinterest and I'll look for projects. And if I like it, it might be built in a completely different way. You can take that thing and you can build it with mortise and tenons, with just glue and butting up joints, or you can use pocket hole screws. It really doesn't matter, especially if it's just for you. Build it, you know, just so you learn it. What about you, Mike? Uh, My suggestion is... um in the vein of what Dan and Pete said, but really just build something you need for your house. Find something you need in your home that you want or want to replace and just figure out how to build it. None of these things are impossible to do. Every thing of joinery is attainable. So do it however you want. However, whatever difficulty, 
there obviously some joints are different or more difficult than others, but just, just do it. Like, I mean, you can do all of them. It's not like there's like some skill level needed before you're allowed to do them. Uh, just, just do it. Find a piece of furniture you need. I did that nightstand. Uh, well, it ended up being an end table, but you know, I, I, I wanted it for our guest room. It didn't end up going in there, but, um, we needed something in our house and I, so I built it and I learned a lot on that build and then I'm going to build something else. I'm going to learn a lot on that build and I'm going to build something else. and I'm going to learn a lot on that build. And then eventually that's the best way to do it. Yep. And then, I mean, I wouldn't like, this kind of relates back to, I was talking about, I wanted to do the 30 days of dovetail challenge. And then I got a couple people say, they're like, mm, I would recommend not doing that. You should just do them as you need them for projects because you're going to get burnt out. And it's just not a great way to learn. And I agree. I think you just necessity. If you need it, build it. And if you want to do whatever joint you want to do, just do it. Um, and don't be intimidated by joinery styles. Some take longer than others. That doesn't make them necessarily harder. Uh, they just take longer. So, And don't let anyone shame yeah. your joinery choice. Yeah, uh, except for pocket holes. I don't care holes, if it's pocket yeah. hole screws. Um, no. <laughs> you can use pocket holes. No, you can't. They're perfectly fine. They're perfectly adequate. <laughs> Absolutely. Any joinery yeah. method you're going to use is just fine. I mean, shoot, you can do joinery where let's say you're building a table and you literally just drill right through the frame and attach it. And then just put some nice like walnut plugs in there and it looks like an aesthetic choice. And all you did was just straight through screws. You know, the easiest way to join anything. Yeah. Uh, but you're hiding it in a pretty way. Don't get upset when it breaks in a couple years. But yeah, you can definitely do that because yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to tear itself apart with the screw through there. But um, but yes, it, it's fine. It doesn't matter because you just – the big thing is, is just build something for yourself that you need. And then if you kind of run out of projects that you need and you're still wanting to learn more, ask some family members – if they need anything, if they'll cover the cost of the material and then you can build mm-hmm. that for them and um, just do it. That's really the thing is, is just do it. You have to do it. Just do yeah, it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yeah, exactly. You just <laughs> you really just need to do it. That's the bottom line. That's that's my thought on that. So I think we covered that pretty good. Agreed. Yeah. Um, This one is a really good question. I mean, the last, they're all really good questions, but this one's – um a different take on things. And we, all three of us really liked this question. It was really cool. It's from Josh, the dad, and it's concerning copyright issues. Hey guys, this is Josh from Josh, the dad one on the big IG first time caller, long time listener. (laughs) Anyways. So I have a question for you today. Now I'm a technology director slash teacher. And, uh, and when I come home, I kind of do this hobby woodworking thing on the side just for fun. But when I'm with my students, I try to be very specific about being a good digital citizen. So if they find an image and they want to use it in their presentation, I always ask them, hey, you need to make sure you have the right to use that. And I try to provide them with lots of websites where it's royalty free, so it's not a big deal. But how do you feel about that on a production side, dealing with woodworking and Pete dealing with CNC? If you just Google an image and you're like, hey, I'm going to cut that out on a cutting board and I'm fill it with epoxy and I'm going to sell it. How do you feel about that? Just curious because over the last couple of weeks, I've seen a lot of people on Instagram sharing stories about actually Googling images and they have it on their screen or they're looking at something else and they're creating their stuff. So talk amongst yourselves. Thanks. I'm going to take this one first. Um, the thing I yeah, see the most is uh, <clears throat> what I see the most is people taking obviously copyrighted logos 
throwing the file in their CNC, cutting it out on a cutting board or some sort of sign, and then filling it with epoxy. That's the thing I see the most. And it always makes me go like, ooh, that's, that seems like dangerous territory to be doing, especially if you're going to be selling it. Um, I don't know the legality of it, so I don't have a like professional answer. But for me, it always makes me uncomfortable um, for that person. <laughs> like, I feel like they're putting on a, on a very public forum. And if that, if that brand saw that, man, I feel like you could get in a lot of trouble. Um, I could be very wrong. I don't know if that's the facts or not, but I feel like that it is the facts. I feel like if they saw you selling their logo on something, you're putting yourself in a big, you're putting yourself into a bunch of liability issues. Um, and that's just my opinion. I, 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 I feel like that's the case though. And I feel like these guys are going to agree with me because their heads are nodding and you can't see it. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, I, but I, I, you know, one thing that's, I will say, I think that's kind of a hard line there. Like you're literally taking intellectual property and using it for your gain. Um, I don't want to tell anyone shame on you. I just want to say, be careful. Um, but the cool thing about this community is the free flow of ideas and, um, and, and concepts, how to use different joinery, different jigs, different shop setups. We all pull from each other for inspiration. Um, and sometimes we'll copy someone exactly, you know, the best thing you can do is, is obviously credit them. Uh, the worst thing you can do is make no mention of that. Um, but I think when you cut a Chevy logo into a cutting board, obviously the inspiration is from Chevy's logo. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're, I don't know where you go from there. Like you, you clearly haven't requested the right to use that. Mm -hmm. um, it's just really, I just say tread lightly with that stuff. I just don't know. I just think it's really, really risky, but you know, obviously it's equally, it's almost more damaging within the community when you just steal someone's idea and um, don't credit them. If in the community, if I, if I did something, if I built a floating hickory <laughs> nightstand uh, three days after Dan did, uh, he'd probably be pretty annoyed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, realistically, Dan probably wouldn't be annoyed. But you know what I mean? If I did a very exact same de design and, you know, it probably, it's not great, you know. But the real thing is is, is innovation and doing stuff that's original, I think, <clears> is the big thing. Is you got to do stuff that's really original and stuff that you've, that's kind of the fun of it, right? Just copying what other people do. I don't even know how you have fun with that. <clears throat> uh, being creative is the whole process and the fun part of all this. Um, if you're not able to do that, there's nothing wrong with that. And just doing stuff that other people do and pulling inspiration all day long. That's totally fine. There's definitely a segment that does that. And you, you should not feel bad. Um, just blatant copying, I think is, uh, is pretty iffy stuff. Uh, what, what about you, Pete? So, uh, I'll sit back. I got a lot to say about this. Okay. <clears throat> um, so coming from 3d printing and the cnc space well being new to the cnc space but especially with 3d printing um it, it is a very much a gray area for a lot of things i 1000 percent agree with you on using a branded logo of some kind that's just it feels dirty i don't like it and especially if you're making money with it if you like love chevy and you want to CNC a Chevy sign to put in your shop. Go for it. Go yeah, for it. 100%. I agree. As soon as you start monetizing it, it starts getting into a gray area. 
Um, with CNC, you know, obviously we see a lot of people with 3D printing too. You know, I can go online and pick a picture from Google and throw it into CNC or print or whatever. I've done that, you know, and, but I make sure it's usually stuff that's, it's not so much branded. It's usually like, oh, I need a, a picture of a flag, uh, an animated picture of a flag. So it looks good cut out or something like that. You know, those aren't really branded. Nobody's like making money with those. They're usually, um, just free creative use things. And there are, however, plans you can get, uh, for, especially for 3d printing and for CNC. And a lot of times, you know, you just, you want to give credit and you don't really want to monetize on somebody else's work. I, for example, you know, I make a lot of my own custom designs. I could litter my entire shop, my entire Etsy shop with things that are made by other people that I just threw in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've had this conversation well, multiple techni- times. Yeah. Like technically I'm, you know, I'm doing someone a favor. I'm 3d printing it for them. They don't have access to a 3d it's printer. A I'm 3d printing this design. It's a service. Mm-hmm. And there are people that 3D print things out there, and that's fine. Uh, the really nice thing about the 3D printing community that I'm hoping the CNC community gets into is something called uh, Creative Commons. So basically, it's kind of like a a copyright, like an unofficial copyright for creative people. So a lot of times when you go to a design, uh, you scroll down, it has different Creative Commons things. Most of the time, you'll see attribution, which is you have to give credit. So I sell only one item in my Etsy store just by demand alone because I've had multiple people message me privately about me printing them this item. And it's on my Etsy store and I give credit to the person because they listed that they want they want credit. I'm allowed to remix it. Re, uh, remix meaning redesign the, uh, the product. Um, you know, redesign it, change whatever, including for commercial use. That's a very specific term that's in there. So that allows me to actually use it to sell or make money or whatever. Um, but I just need to give credit. So I made sure that in my, uh, in my design, there was credit there, uh, at the bottom. And it's, uh, if anyone's interested, it's the bevel guides, the little for sharpening. Um, everything else in my shop, I design myself, you know, and if I were to share it on those sites, I would have the same thing where I, I might ask somebody not to, sell this item and there are 100% items all over Etsy that I know for a fact are um the creative commons specifically list them to not be used for commercial use mm. meaning that you're not supposed to be reselling them right i'm not going to say anything it's not my place no. to be a cop no. in and this no it's not ours to um, correct people either it's not what we're here to do yeah and i have a very good friend of mine that you know uh, he he really taught me about this stuff because it, it does feel a little dirty to just like sell stuff that someone else made. Uh, however, you know, I have people reach out to me all the time. They send me a file and they go, can you print this? And, and I say, yes, I will print it for you. Just know that it's not my design. I'm not going to like list it anywhere or whatever. Like I'll just do it for you. I'll co- charge them for the, whatever the time and the, the material and shipping. Uh, but I won't list those things. Even though I have the file ready, I can just throw it into my printer anytime I want. It just feels kind of dirty. And that's where just more, your moral compass needs to be set right. You can absolutely take designs, take other people's, you know, whatever, uh, you know, plans and, and sell that stuff. But that's, that's where the gray area comes in because, all right, well, you bought plans from Mike for a dollar and you sell this item now for $50. Do you owe anything to Mike now? You know, maybe you start selling these Lego trays and you're selling them like crazy because you live in a neighborhood with a lot of kids. Um, you know, do you owe anything to Mike? 
It'll... No, and there's a billion of those in the world. Area. It's a. Yeah. It's not actually. I don't think it's a gray area at all. That's that's a a concept. Like if someone made it exactly like my. Actually, if someone buys my plans and sells that stuff, they're they're yeah. more than welcome well, to. Uh, like, like that's the whole thing. Uh, like, Dan's earlier example, Maloof chair. You know, they sell the Maloof design. You know, now people are making money just selling Maloof chairs. Yeah. I mean, technically, it, it's fine because it's like they sold the plan. That once there was money exchanged, even if someone didn't use the plan, better. I mean, it's a conceptual thing. It's not like a patented yeah. logo. I mean, if Sam Maloof had patented his chair, which he may have actually, but I don't think so because actually, there's. So, I mean, it? there's certain things where like it gets to the point where it's just kind of common use. You know, I mean, but I mean, there's very specific yeah. things that are uh, like they're patented and copyrighted. You just got to be careful. Yeah, my thought is always: Am I? hurting in even the most minuscule way someone else's business by doing this that's always been my thought if i if i know someone sells these things because they designed them and they that was like their cool thing like with you know if somebody started selling my my push stick squares for half the price on etsy i'd kind of be pissed yeah but i mean that's competition i mean you can't at a certain line you have to be like i mean everyone sells cutting boards you can't be like oh i'm not gonna sell cutting boards this guy's cutting board sales that's kind of too much i think i mean you got to be able to sell stuff it i think it just feels uh, a little dirtier in the 3d printing community and the cnc community because you, it's literally a file you just i copy get that like it. it's if not someone's like making a square it, with a design it yeah yourself, you're right i agree with you i mean way. yours is a very specific design i agree you're right yeah so to really to answer his question is it, it just guide yourself with your moral compass because right. there is a lot of gray area with cnc with everything else but listen, if you're building something exactly like something that Dan built or Mike built or I built, we're not going to be upset. If anything, we're probably going to be flattered, yeah. you know? Uh, so just make sure you're not hurting anyone by doing it uh, commercially. But I think for what you guys were kind of describing, you know, you're working with your son and just trying to explain it. And you're working on a shop. I think it's okay. I, it's I think it's perfectly fine. Uh, these rules are going to change. The CNC community does not have anything like this really permanently set up yet. It's still fairly tight-lipped. People don't tend to share a lot of files. It's mostly uh, by cost, whereas the 3D printing community, it's mostly free. So that's where the Creative Commons has already kind of come into play. Um, so, you know, keep an eye out. The kind of the rules might change on this, but I don't think you're doing anything wrong, especially the fact that you're you and your son are having this conversation this early on is great. Because you're aware of it, and that's the that's the best thing. Was it his son? Who? No, his or, his students. His students. Oh, I apologize. Idiot. You're um, off. You're off the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But the fact that they're having this conversation is actually very very important. That's the first step. All right. That's it. I'm sorry. Damn. That was very. I told you, long winded answer. All right. I agree with your very last statement, which escapes me now. Anyway, you're okay. off the show. It's just my I agree, now. but not enough to remember it. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they're aware of it. Yeah. It's, it's good that you're aware it. of it and you're talking about it and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I'm going to disagree with uh, some things. Good. I, I have very strong feelings on this coming from the photography community. Number one, when it comes to intellectual property, there is no gray area. It's either illegal or it isn't. And using somebody else's logo to monetize it is illegal. And you can be sued no matter how big that company is or how small that company is. I agree. As soon as you start monetizing something like that, like the Chevy logo that Mike brought up or any logo that goes for schools, um, 
any kind of logo you want to uh, incorporate into your CNC or your cutting board or your work, that is intellectual property owned by somebody else or some other entity. As soon as you start monetizing that, they can sue you for monetary loss. They can. I know that because I've done it to people because they've stole my images. I've sued the USGAA, the United States Geological Association. I've sued Arizona State for using images. I have a company that looks out for all my work. Uh, It's a a thing photographers use, and they're constantly scanning the internet to see if somebody's using my copyrighted work. Because as soon as an image comes out of your camera, it is copyrighted by you. As soon as you take it, you don't have to register it. And uh, that, was, that was actually my next question is like, how, how do you copyright your images? I don't realize that it's... You like, don't really have to. It, as soon as it comes out of your camera and you click the button, it is automatically copyrighted by you. Wow. You can register it with the government under a copyright like Daniel Dunlap works from 2009 to 2020. Copyright. Like it, you could do like a broad copyright. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's no, there's really no gray area. I mean, if they want to come after you, they can. Um, they probably won't until you start making a, a financial dent in their, yep. in, in their, in their uh, profits or whatever. Right. Like Chevy, if you're making cutting Chevy cutting boards, right? <laughs> it's- they're not going to come after you if you've made one. I mean, it, that's not worth their time. But if they wanted to be real jerks, they could. Um, and, and like I said, that goes for, you know, I see a lot of people making cornhole boards with school logos and logos all over the place Mm -hmm. that is illegal. Technically, if you, if you don't have the permission of those companies, right. But they're not going to come after you if you're not making hundreds of thousands of dollars off of it. Yeah. Right. You know, then it gets into the whole thing of like, oh, well, what if somebody paints a logo or a Chevy car or something? Like, are they technically, you know, doing something wrong there? But I feel like each medium also has its own, like, laws. Like, I talked about Creative Commons and, and yeah. 3D printing. You know, you with the photo and video, there is the whole copyright thing of as soon as you shoot it, you shot it. You know what it is. That's why you watermark it. Whereas, you know, I feel like in the woodworking, we don't have that. Right. You know, nothing like that in CNC world. Definitely not. It's too new. Yeah, but these are all really good points. This is a really good conversation. This is like a should have been an episode, honestly. It, it's a it's a very lengthy conversation. It is. I mean, one of my good friends have, runs. Yeah. I have more. One of my good friends. Sorry, Dan. Go ahead. I apologize. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Go. One of my good friends runs a a website called StopStealingPhotos dot com. What is that uh, about? It's <laughs> it's about making pies. It's a, it's a Reddit competitor. <laughs> No, uh, and she uh, she takes down people that steal photos. I mean, she's taken down some big big names in the photography community. Giselle it, Bunchin. Oh no, that's just a big no. name. <laughs> anyway, it's I'm very it's something I'm very passionate about. For sure, that's how you make your money. That's like a hundred. That's yeah. an income piece for you. And if you're a photographer and you want to know about the service I use, it's called Pixie.com. P-I-X-S-Y. It's it's really cool. It's they do like a, a database search of like the entire internet. I don't know how they do it. And then they have a team of lawyers and you go through and you go, yeah, that's mine. That's mine. I want to sue somebody cut. over this. And it's very simple. And yeah. I've made thousands of dollars off a couple images that have been the, stolen um, hundreds of times. You know, with times. photography, the image is so unique and it's so easy to enforce that. 
with a lot of furniture, there's so many high concept things. It's really yeah. I'm, I'm basically enforce. talking about. I know what you're talking uh, about. Logo, logo brand images. Stuff. I mean, you can because I think a that picture. was his question. Yeah. Okay. You're right. It was. That was his question. I'm going off into the weeds. So, um, furniture design is more of a gray area. It is gray. It's really that's what it's really gray because everything's so conceptual. There's nothing hard line. Yeah. Like I didn't push a button and a piece of furniture appeared. Right. Right. You pick, take a picture with it. You push your button. You have to find your set up your perfect image. You push a button and you have a you have a, a, an image, and that's easy to enforce because um, you can pinpoint that to a very specific moment in time. But right. with furniture, um, you just can't. So, you know. Well, anyway. I mean, a, a year or so ago, a year and a half ago, Greg Clausen patented or copyrighted, I think the correct term is patented, uh, the concept of the river table. And, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and that caused a, a lot of controversy in the woodworking community because river tables are all the rage. I think they are still. Yeah. You know, epoxy mm-hmm. river tables. And so he was the one who he he wasn't the first one to do it, but he was the one to bring it more to the forefront of social media and the Internet and get got more eyes on it. So he patented the idea and they started going after uh, bigger companies that were selling the idea of river tables. And I think they had a whole episode <laughs> on the Modern Maker podcast with a copyright lawyer who is also a woodworker. Uh, I, I can't remember what episode it is, but you could probably go back and find it. The Modern Maker podcast. So, that, so how, so what, I don't know much about that because I don't, I don't care about river tables, but what, I mean, what is the process for it? Is he just going after people now and making them take down? What is yeah, he doing? I don't, I don't know much more other than that. He was basically uh, suing them for using the name. The name so it's was a name com- thing, but I mean, you can't really go after him for name and a concept. Of- together in a concept oh he was he was 100 percent going after people well for the Not name if they but, use the name, but what if they build a river table and don't call it that is he going after that table sale no i think it you was can't right i mean it's that, a concept i mean every single yeah. one of them so different i don't know it's literally you just but can't that's use what, the name see, this is why it sparked such a it, it, such a controversy yeah it, it sparked a big controversy where just does because. where is the line in that that's what the people were trying to figure out mm. we could we could fill a whole episode on this topic i actually would like to yeah. do that um I, I actually think we I'll, one of us should do. I'll probably do the research on it and de- dive more into it this week and make a because I think that's really interesting because I just don't know how they can because aff- it's a unique creation. Every it was, I mean I don't like them, but it doesn't matter. There's still there's still a crafted thing someone made, um, right? And they and there's no like cookie cutter. I mean there is obviously you know you take a live edge slab, cut it down the middle, face them the other way, pour epoxy down there. You know it's whatever it's a thing, but. Every single one of them is going to be different just by nature because every live edge slab – we don't need to dive into this super deep. We're already <laughs> gone into it deep. But that's really interesting, Dan. I never really heard much yeah, about that. Yeah, it's so. uh, pretty complicated stuff. Yeah, it is complicated and it gets really great. So anyway, well, let me let me jump into this next voicemail. I think we uh, kind of pushed yep. that one uh, – I think we answered that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this, is from the, uh, this is from the Woodshop Outback account and he's asking about finish application. Hey guys, this is Drew from Woodshop Outback. Love listening to the podcast. Thank you guys for all the work you're doing. Got a quick question about finish application or applicators. What is your go-to or does it depend on the type of finish? You prefer brush, more like a sponge brush or bristle brush or all spray, wipe on. I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Thanks guys. Pete, application. I, I'm a huge fan of wipe on. 
if I can wipe it on, that's better. I hate using brushes or sponges or all that stuff. I feel like with brushes, especially if you have a cheaper one, it leaves a bristle here or there. And of course you find it when it's dry. Um, and wipe on stuff usually tends to, you tend to be putting on thinner coats. So they dry a lot faster, which is also really nice. Um, if I had this space, however, I am a huge fan of spray on. I just think it, it works so well. I, just happen to live in literally a valley. So I get very high winds in my backyard and front yard. Spraying is a nightmare. Um, so if I had a space for that, would 100% spray, but wipe on all day. And I use usually either like really proper, like the blue paper towels mm-hmm. or like uh, if you get like a box of shop rags that are like actually uh, like where Scott's makes them. I'm looking at them right now. Scott's rags and it's pretty much the same thing, just white. Uh, or just, uh, I literally have like old t-shirts. If a t-shirt is retired, it just got holes in it, whatever. I chop it up into little pieces and just cut off what I need and use it for wipe on. Definitely uh, my, my go-to. What about you, Dan? Uh, for big surfaces, I like wipe on poly and I, I go the t-shirt route as well. Uh, it leaves a very, very smooth, uh, non-streaky surface, which I really like, but I've also been getting into spraying and I really enjoy spraying. Uh, smaller projects and i just got that home right sprayer and that thing is marvelous and i usually spray i usually spray water-based polys with it i, I won't spray anything else mm-hmm. just because of the cleanup what about you mike uh i haven't done much spraying but i feel like that's going to become my my go-to and really water-based i'm anymore i'm kind of um using less uh, caustic finishes i guess the heart like the oil-based ones i'm tired of the mess and the smell um, i'm trying to lean towards more natural stuff um, i used walrus oil furniture butter the other day that was a pleasure to use and it's a nice product i've got a jar of odie's oil i'm going to be trying um, i'd like to try osmo uh, and all, all those are wipe-ons i generally wipe on most of my finishes uh i think for spray finishes um it's gonna be water poly a lot but i've heard a lot about um i think it's called catalyzed lacquer where it like comes out of the gun hot and it dries almost instantly like as soon as it hits the surface um Mm -hmm. i can look more into that i could be speaking out out of school but um lacquer is a finish i love um i have two sprayers i have a home right like dan which i'll which will stay as my water gun and then the, the I have a Wagner, which they're the same company, but I have a Wagner that um, that I'm going to use for spraying lacquer exclusively. So I'm going to have one for water poly, one for spraying lacquer, and those will kind of be my finishes. I've also been told by a couple of people when I was discussing uh, spraying a piece, a couple, uh, the nightstand, uh, people were telling me that shellac sprays really well. Um, so I, I was that's something I, I might pick up another home right sprayer. Just I'm trying to keep a sprayer that does each different spray. I know it sounds bougie, but that's what I want. It's just easier for cleanup. And if you're running the same thing through it all the time, you're not having to worry about the two different mixes or the two different finishes mixing with each other. So mm-hmm. wipe on and spray. I hate brushing on stuff. Like Pete was saying, if brus- the bristles always break, you always see the lines It never dries, right? You end up having to sand the between lines, every yep. coat, the bristle, you know, you get the piece of hair in there from the bristle. Um, I don't mind foam brushes though uh there's some you can't use with a foam brush but i don't i don't mind foam brush when i'm doing um if i when i'm doing a cutting board and i'm putting on mineral or walrus oil or mineral oil or whatever i use a foam brush for that just to keep my hands clean you don't have a tub of it 
I don't. That's what all the cool kids do. I know. I've seen that. Actually, now that's bougie. I really kind of do want to like get one of those tubs and yeah, exactly. Dan's I, got his hand. I up. I have all these boards to dip, and I'm I'm looking at a tub, and I'm considering just dipping it in there. I mean, that's if I had I if it when it gets back to the holidays again, and I've got like fifteen of them on my table. I'm definitely going to go that route. I'm just going to just dump you know them what, in though? there. It just there's makes the something sense. about wiping them on though. It's just there's like this, this like I don't know, maybe for a couple. But you're right. If there's a lot it's of them, you're, just kinda, you're over it. But there's something that just like when you wipe on like especially like oil, like mineral oil on a cutting board, just really brings out that color. Yeah, it just looks good. It's cool. And yeah. then you have you know you have to legally record it and post it online. Right. It's the whole thing. Internet points. Yeah. So um, yep. <laughs> I mean. It's super subjective, though, you know. Um, God, I think his name. I think he said his name was Drew. I apologize, but Woodshop yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, Drew. He, um, you know, it's really subjective. Other people like different stuff, but I think generally, when you look at people who do commercial furniture building, or do it more professionally, or do it production, you're going to notice they do specific things. There's a reason people spray mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, there's a reason it's faster and, um, you can, if you get your technique down, uh, which I haven't, but if you get your technique down, you're going to have the best finish is with that. It's going to look great. It's going to be even and flat and there's not going to be any weird streaking or unevenness. And there's a reason why spraying is, uh, what professionals do. Yeah. It's a little more wasteful, like a little more because you're obviously getting some off spray, but it's it's totally the best, the best and the fastest. Uh, The cost of a jar of water poly is that you waste even 20 or 30% of it is offset by the amount of time you're going to save. Labor is the most expensive thing if you're pricing yep. your stuff. Yep. Um, so you're losing, you know, you, you figure you lose $6 worth of poly over the quart. Um, that's literally nothing. <laughs> With that so, water poly, I can spray it and I'll have three coats on in an hour and a half. Right. And that, I can sand that, it finished in two hours yep. after the three coats. Yep. I mean, it's great. Yeah. So I'm... It, it's the way to go, I think. Um, but everyone does their own thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Armor All is sprayable. I'm sorry, Armor All. Armor Seal is sprayable. Um, <laughs> Armor Seal is sprayable, and it, the, I hear great results about that. Um, I've that's one, pro, that's one oil finish that I really, really like. And I mean like poly, poly oil. I still use like uh, Simple Finish. I really love that stuff. That's a linseed oil type of, of base thing. Um, it's a hard wax, isn't it? It's got wax in there. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I just really caustic, heavy duty, like poly, poly gets crazy. It stinks. Um, and it's just a mess to clean up. So I think that covers that. What do you think? Yep. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. So I think everyone kind of starts <laughs> with a, a wipe on or a brush on thing and then starts to move up into spraying. I think spraying is what it becomes, but. There's something really enjoyable about uh, enjoyable about wiping on a finish too. It's just really relaxing. Oh yeah, but it just takes a lot of time. So I think we'll jump into some written in questions here. We've got a few. We'll kind of plow through. Um, first one's from Dean with Dean Duplace Furniture. It says, "Are there any projects that made you not like the craft as much as you did? Was it a production based project?" I'm gonna shoot this over to Dan. Yes. Yeah, I know the answer is yes. <laughs> What is uh, it? Last summer, I got a fairly decent contract for making survey stakes for a, a lot of the. <laughs> I knew it was going to be that. <laughs> a lot of the uh, survey companies around here, uh, the the ones that they pound in the ground and they 
paint pink and you know do all their markings with i i batched out 10,000 of those or something like that <laughs> and it was soul draining and i was up till 2 3 in the morning cutting it mm-hmm. cutting them and it was just awful and i had to tell them i can't do this anymore because I, like i it, remember it, you- it could have been lucrative but yeah, like it's not worth it it was not enjoyable right. whatsoever like i was starting to hate being in the shop i remember but you I would had do to like a mosaic to... just to say stay sane <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's why i started doing mosaics i know i had a lot of those you had all the strips. off cuts and you started doing you're yeah. like oh, i was like i, wanna, I can't i don't yeah. want to end it anymore <laughs> yeah yeah so that that that's the thing that uh caused me to hate woodworking there for a little bit but that's all gone now what about you pete cornhole boards and giant jenga Giant Freaking Jenga. hate them. Oh, especially Giant Jenga. Yeah, I thought it was such a good idea. I love the one we made for us. It was a lot of sanding. I had Emma sand most of it. Thank you. <laughs> um, but then when I started doing more of them, I made a couple more sets last year. I was just like, I'm so done with this. And and one of the other things that, Dan, you probably ran into is when you're doing so many of the exact same cut over and over again, you can get sloppy. Yeah. And uh, I've had, I remember the first time I had like some bad kick. It was on a miter saw. The kickback was like, actually like, I just kind of spaced out and it like kicked and it hit me in the shoulder. And I was like, what the fudge am I doing? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, I'm going to, I'm going to get hurt. I need to like slow down because I'm just cutting the same thing over and over again using a stop. Like, this is dangerous. So. That was one of the most annoying things. Uh, aside from that, I guess maybe cutting boards sometimes get a little much. Yeah, cutting boards for me, definitely, I did a lot over the holidays. And I anticipate that happening again. You know, I think it's just kind of the kind of the deal. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, man, it gets really boring. Uh, it's just, you, you got to give it like uh, 11 months to cool off. You know, honestly, like <laughs> I could cool do one do right again. now and I'd enjoy it. And I did, I've done a few in the last few months and it was fine because they were one-offs custom orders, you know? And, um, when you've got like 40 to do, it just, yes. it's horrible, you know? Um, and what's funny is I do these bottle openers and, um, they're basically a tiny cutting board, <laughs> but I actually really enjoy them. They're really fun. I think they're just, they're a lot faster to make and the finish on them doesn't have to be food safe. So I can just spray rattle can lacquer them and I don't have that yeah. two days of putting uh, walrus oil on them. So, um, yeah, I mean, those are the things that kind of get to you. I did, I built my, I built my son a tractor bed. One of my, one of my first big projects I ever built last year about this time. And, uh, I wouldn't even consider that like woodworking. It was just like two by fours and it was just like mostly painting. Such a terrible, I hated that project, (laughs) but my son still to this day, like loves his bed. So it's like a, all that matters. Yeah, I, well, I still hated the project, but it is really cool that he he loves that bed still. Like when when people come over for the first time, he'll be like, "Hey, come see my bed," and I'm like, "Man, that just makes me makes me feel really good that he loves that thing still." So um, that was a terrible project. Um, someone asked me what I charged to build one of those, and I threw some ridiculous number at it because <laughs> if I'm building it, if I'm being that build miserable, it. I'm going to make some money. So um, yeah, there's definitely those projects. They exist. They don't, I don't think it didn't make me hate woodworking, just hated, made me hate working on that project. So that project. Yes. Anyway, um, I think that answers that. I think we'll jump into the next one here. We got one from, uh, Jerry with, uh, we got one from Jerry. We got one. 
times six questions from Jerry. Um, <laughs> we we are at the one hour mark. Well, we started. We didn't really get going until five. After do you got to cut out? Oh, that's that's right. No, no, no. I was just letting you know. Oh, okay, never mind. No, yeah, no, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Um, so Jerry sent in. Uh, Pete, you want to tell him the name of his account? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's uh, G E Hajduk Creations. Yeah, because uh, he's he's Polish. It's not Hajduker. I don't want to. I don't want to butcher it and uh, have the Polish League of Americans come after me. So. <laughs> Yeah. I talked to them at the meeting. They're fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> they stopped the legal proceedings. Um, I, he's got six questions here, which we really appreciate. Um, and a few of them we've answered. So I'm going to say what they are. And the first one is, if you could build, design, or assemble anything, what is your dream project? We've answered that. Uh, we're not going to yeah. we're not going to go into that one. So appreciate you writing it in. Um, what is your advice on stain, preference, color, and such? Do you ever use any unnatural colors? Uh, I'm going to go first. I, uh, I never stain. I've stained two things in my life. So I'm not a good person to answer this. I have a client that I'm waiting for a deposit on. I did everything I could to talk them out of stain. I did Dan's popcorn pricing thing where I offered them, you know, I even actually, I even actually offered them a little deal to go to Walnut. Um, so I wouldn't have to stain just cause it adds a process to it. Um, but uh, they wanted stain. So we came to an agreement and I did ash because I won't do pine and I'm staining that. So uh, I don't have any advice. Dan, you got any advice on stain? I hate stain. Burn it all. Cool. <laughs> Pete, what about you? I personally, uh, I no, I, I do use stain sometimes yep. for, for projects for customers. But my my favorite to use is uh, kind of like in the middle stain. I, I hate something that is just going to like walnut stain. I get it's only mainly used to make pine look like walnut right. which is or like an ebony stain or whatever when people really want to go dark and it just paints the wood i don't like that i like the middle of the road ones the ones that make a wood look like another wood you know i've done ones where i've used um oak but i made it look like cherry a little bit uh just kind of or was it ash ash it was ash uh, i made it look like cherry so like when it like tints the color a little bit i'm fine with it but i really don't like I and mean, he asked about like unnatural colors I, the only reason I have like a reddish, like literally like, like when somebody would dye their hair kind of red and, and then like a gray wash in my, um, in my closet, it's only because a customer requested it. I've never used them for anything else. I feel like gray wash especially is, it gets a bad name and for a reason it doesn't, I don't think it looks good on wood. You know, I, but I really like dyes in India ink a lot, like just totally blacked out, uh, bases on things. I really yeah. like that a lot. I guess things that. Basically, I just don't like how stain looks. I think it's just mimic trying to mimic a wood that exists, um, and it tends to blotch I, on I a lot get of woods. That you know, people have there's different situations where people can't afford that wood. I also think that people don't understand that the cost to go from a piece of crap wood that gets stained to a nice piece of wood isn't really much. I mean, labor is the most expensive thing. I mean, you can probably get the price pretty close. I mean, I know Dan says he does the popcorn pricing thing and that's good. You know, you kind of price the one thing a little higher and then the thing that has the better woods a little bit, just barely higher than that. It's actually a pretty realistic situation because the labor and the added time it takes to get the stain on there, it's a real delay. I mean, you got- It's almost a wash. Absolutely. um, But I mean, I'm doing these nice- it creates extra problems. Right. It's a variable. 
that's the thing. I mean, you could you could get it on there and it looks blotchy. You know, if you're using mm-hmm. the right wood, it's probably not an issue. But I mean, it can be, and it could go it's, wrong, or there could be a problem with the stain. I mean, it's just another variable and another step. It uh, it highlights flaws, mm-hmm. which right. I don't like. Yes. Right, like little nicks in the wood, or if you missed a tiny spot of glue, you'll see it right away as soon as you put a stain on it because it doesn't hide as well, yeah. and the stain doesn't mm-hmm. uh, absorb into the glue. Yep. So then it looks really weird. Yeah. That's especially bad. Yep. And then I was, we were thinking about doing a whitewash on these nightstands I'm going to be starting, but I, I don't even know why that was even being considered by my wife and I neither, I don't want that. I don't want, that's like a rustic look. I just want the natural white oak. So, um, but I don't like, I don't mind a whitewash. So, you know, that doesn't really answer the question. That's in the weeds as well. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll read the next one. Uh, who is your biggest woodworking slash maker influence? I'm really interested to hear your guys' answers. So Pete. So for me. I'm gonna have to go kind of two routes. It's not so much a one is a maker, but the other one is a show, and it's the the woodworking show, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the uh, the woodsmith shop. Uh, I actually I used to get the woodsmith magazines. Like as soon as I had my own money and I started like getting into woodworking, I was like ordering the magazines, and then I ordered like the nine DVD set of all of their episodes, and I I watched all of them through and through, and I I love that show. Um, I used to watch it on, was it on PBS, I think, or something too. It really got me into it. It really like got me excited. Of course, you all use those badass Powermatic tools and and I'm literally leaning on a Powermatic right now. Flex. I'm living a dream. <laughs> Flex. <laughs> <laughs> I made it, mom. Um, so that, and then when I started getting um, more into like watching some YouTube videos, I watched a lot of um, Wood Whisper, Mark Spagnola. Yeah. He, he got me... He, he especially, I mean, he's running the woodworking school um, online too. I hit, what are the, not the hand tools? What are they called? Hybrid uh, woodworking. Hi, well, he has like a school that he runs, like with a bunch of other makers now. Oh, well, yeah. it's the it's guild like video school. The, wood the guild, yes, guild. or the woodworker guild, guild yep. I should say. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, definitely was a big influence for me uh, getting started, and then I started listening to their podcast. Like years later, I didn't realize they had a podcast. I don't know why, but um, you know, then I learned about like. Matt Cremona and Shannon Rogers and Shannon Rogers was a big influence for me with hand tools. He really got me into hand tools and got me to restore a bunch and I've never gone back. So sorry, that's three, but you can, what about you, Dan? (laughs) Uh, PBS Norm Abrams on the new Yankee workshop. Yes. I loved that as a kid, I, I would watch him. And then more recently, you know, with all the YouTube quote unquote stars, I really enjoyed Jonathan Katz Moses. And Mark Spagnola, obviously the godfather of uh, YouTube woodworkers, <laughs> and uh, Jay Bates. I really like Jay Bates' style, mm-hmm. and he's very concise and to the point, and explains things thoroughly. I really, I really like that. So those guys are are my influence, I think, and of course Pete and Mike. They're a huge influence. On me. <laughs> You're so full of it. Appreciate it. <laughs> I just didn't mention you guys because it was obvious. So, Mike, what about you, Mike? Uh, I'm going to go through this really fast because my I'm re- really new to woodworking. I mean, in, in the last two years I is, is when I really deep dived into it. Um, and it, and it, there was a list of people that kind of started. I mean, it, it's just a bunch of YouTube people because that's where my 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 journey <laughs> my journey started with woodworking. But I mean, at first it was Steve Ramsey. And uh, he's great. Like, oh, yeah. like in the beginning, Steve Ramsey's awesome because 
he really focuses on beginning woodworking. Um, I don't watch much of his stuff anymore because he does focus on beginning woodworking. Um, but what he offers to beginning woodworkers is incredible. Um, incredible. I mean, yes. he just really just simplifies it and he takes away the intimidation factor that's involved for people in woodworking. I get the intimidation, um, but he makes you go, man, yeah, I can totally do that. And he does such a good job at it. Um, and then there's this guy. I'm glad uh, you brought him up. Yeah. DIY creators, Glenn. Um, yeah. I don't know what I, I mean. He's definitely a woodworker. He seems like he's more of like a finished carpenter who gets into more. Um, I don't want to speak about what he is, but he really helped me a lot too because he does like modernist, modern stuff and like built-ins and stuff like that. He was someone that really influenced me a lot in the very beginning. I kind of moved away from his stuff, but I think he does, he does great work. Um, and then I started, then it was like, I found Spagnolo and that's where I was like, Oh, this is what I want to do. Like, not like home decor stuff. I want to build furniture. Um, and then through Spagnolo, of course you get Cremona. And I think Cremona for me is kind of like everything I want to do in woodworking. He does more epoxy stuff <laughs> a lot these days, which totally, he makes it look amazing, but He's free. Does the furniture? He has the bandsaw mill. Those are things I really want a bandsaw mill in my backyard. Uh, when we buy another house, I want a piece of property where I can uh, build the bandsaw mill. He's definitely still one. Of, what's up, Dan? Oh, oh, sorry. You're putting your finger up. Um, <laughs> I wanted to add to that after you were finished. Oh, okay, that's what um, that means. Future reference. Okay. Um, so Cremona's really high for me. He's a real big influence for me. He's a really talented woodworker. Um, you know. Uh, obviously, Jory Brigham from the design aspect. He's an amazing designer, furniture. Um, Katz Moses, I just think he's a very smart business guy, very talented, and he just seems like a really great guy. Uh, have had a conversation with him in person at WorkbenchCon and then some conversations on Instagram. He just seems like a really great guy. Um, and then you start to get into where I'm kind of at now, Chris Salmoni. Four Eyes and Sean Boyd. Holy moly. For me, those guys are just freaking killing it. I just, the way that those guys do YouTube videos and tell a story is so great. And they're both really talented and it's got the modern kick in there, which I really like. So I know my answers are super long. I apologize, but it's just really hard for me to answer. There's no, I think if I was to say there's one person that is like my like idol and who I really try to go after, and I'm trying to learn that style and he's no longer alive, but George Nakashima, that's the Nakashima furniture is God, it's just like, I love it. I want my whole house to be Nakashima furniture. Um, so that's kind of my, my idol, I guess, if I were to answer that is Nakashima style. Um, hey Mike, yeah. uh, fun fact, yeah. Nakashima's workshop is less than two hours from my house. Um, and Glenn, my buddy Glenn uh, is great friends with his daughter and they like, they work together in in Nakashima's shop. No kidding. Wow. So if, if you guys ever come over to visit, we'll, we'll grab Glenn. We'll make a trip oh out of God, it to their uh, compound in New Hope. God, it's like, seriously, it, that's that's where, like, for me, that's 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 my favorite style is that style of woodworking. And Will, Will Walker does a lot of Nakashima. I know he's really highly influenced by uh, Nakashima style. I really like Will Walker's. There's so many. It's so hard to pin down. Obviously, April, you know, she gears a lot of her content for newer and yep. folks, but she knows what she's doing. She's got a really like her shop is ridiculous. She does production stuff, but she's, she has a lot of influence on me um, in different ways. And Ann Briggs and of all trades. I mean, all these people, they're, 
they're at the top of their game for a reason. <laughs> you know, there's they have there's something to look at for them. And then it doesn't matter, like people outside of the social media aspect. Obviously, George Nakashima never did a YouTube channel. That's not funny. He, I mean, he passed away a while ago. So, I mean, you know, there's things. That's not the only source of of um, inspiration we should find. But those are definitely people that I looked up to. Sorry, I made my answer so long. Dan, did you have something you want to add? I just wanted to add that when you were talking about Cremona, uh, if you ever find yourself at Workbench Con and you run into him at a bar, <laughs> don't call him Mark Spagnola. <laughs> Just, and then don't proceed to do it on purpose for the rest of WorkbenchCon. <laughs> is this uh, is this something that happened with yeah, you guys? Yeah, Dan Maybe. did this the whole weekend. <laughs> He's like, hey, Paul Jackman. <laughs> I was calling people like famous YouTubers the wrong name like all weekend. It was, I thought it was oh, they funny. probably They probably loved that. They loved it. <laughs> some people some, like laughed and yeah, some, some people so, most did not. Most people didn't. <laughs> if you burn this bridge for me. I'll be very upset. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was funny a couple times, and then it was it was really really <laughs> after uh, the twenty fifth time. It wasn't time. so funny. Uh, nice and cringeworthy, just the way I like Dan. <laughs> it, was, it was doubled down for sure. Um, <laughs> have any of us ever carved anything? I assume nope. power carving. I don't know. If or whittling. No. Whittling. Wait, you've never carved a spoon. No. Nope. No, no, before you do dovetails, spoon carving. No, no thanks. I'm going to get a lot of I've never that. carved a spoon with a whittle knife. I've never carved anything with a CNC. I've never, yeah, no. Wait, did you say whittle knife or like little knife, but like as a kid? Whittle knife? I carved it with a whittle knife. <laughs> I carved it with a whittle knife. I don't, I don't know what um, it's called. It's probably got a specific no, whittle name. Knife. I'm going to get hate it. I think you're right. <laughs> no, no, that's, I think that's right. Um, no, I, I've carved, I've carved some like spoons and bowls and like camp <laughs> but i've definitely uh, i've done spoons before those are actually they're they're fun it's fun to like make a spoon out of a block of wood i joke but i actually would like to make some like nice wooden spoons for my for our kitchen yeah. and stuff i think it'd be nice to do i actually have uh, a really nice lathe that i'm i haven't used it yet i've had it since last august it's now may i want a lathe so bad i've never used it it's a really nice one too um what's the next one next one is what sort of experience do you have with SketchUp or any other non-Fusion 360 program? Would you recommend digital design versus pencil and paper design? Not sure why Jerry doesn't like Fusion 360, um, but obviously Pete has experience in Fusion. Oh, I think because he knows Pete has experience in Fusion. It's probably why he's excluding that. Um, Fine. I have a very minimal amount of experience with SketchUp. Um, I'm learning it. I'm going to keep learning it. I'm also going to start really focusing on fusion. Um, I'm going to learn both. And would I recommend digital design versus paper and pencil? I think everything kind of starts with paper and pencil for me still, even when I get really good at fusion, I'm still going to have the paper and pencil start. Um, I don't think it's really feasible to meet with a client unless you have like a tablet device where you can sketch out, which I happen to, but that's not really something everyone's going to have. Um, but I think everything is going to start on paper and pencil, but I think it really makes more sense to take it to a digital platform because everything's exact ish. I think it just makes sense. I think it's the next, it works well for a reason. I mean, there's a reason things work and there's a reason people use things. It's because it just makes sense. So Pete. Yeah. Same, same for me. I mean, I, I mean, pen, pen and paper is just so accessible. You can do it anywhere. Right. You can 
draft on stuff. You can go into your iPhone and in notes, just enable pencil and start sketching things out with your finger. Mm-hmm. I've done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, that's availability. And then it's like, yeah, you graduate to doing it on a computer because you have to commit the time. You have to sit down and it, Dan, you designed that, that stuff the other day. You know, it takes a while. Yeah. We spent three you know, hours even if you, on that. If you know exactly what you want in your head, it's, it still takes time. So being able to draw it quickly and get some measurements down is definitely the way to go. Uh, I think there's a place for both to live side by side. Definitely. What about you, Dan? Ditto. Cool. Ditto. All right. Cool. Um, <laughs> I, I really have nothing to add. Why do you, you dislike Pine? It. I mean, we've answered it every single podcast, but it's it it doesn't fit take a finish well. It gums up your tools. It's not stable. It dents easy. Um, it has no character. It's plain. Even if you add stain to it, it's still plain. It has almost, other than being cheap, which is not a redeeming factor for me, uh, there's no redeeming factors. I just, I mean, it has its place. You can use that as a secondary. I mean, you can do whatever you want. This is my opinion. It doesn't even you, paint well. Right. It doesn't do anything well. It doesn't, it's cheap for a reason because it's just, it's just accessible. Um, it's great for hiding behind drywall and building a house out of. Yep. But um, not for anything I'm doing. <laughs> so, what's up, Pete? I personally love you're Pine. Out of the sh- you're out of the show. Not, but- We're looking for a third guy starting Monday. But I don't uh, It'll be me and Dan any, and the new like- guy soon. <laughs> Yet to be determined. I, I definitely don't build any, like, furniture out of it. But it's just, I always love having a bunch of pine boards just chilling on a shelf. Because it's either be- going to become a shelf, because it's already flat, whatever. Um, shop furniture. But yeah, it's got a lot of defects. It's well, not like visible defects, but just the fact that it dents easily. Uh, it blotches like crazy when you stain it. So I hate building like furniture out of it. But if you're starting out, it, yes, use pine. Let, that's how you're going to learn, you know. And it's a soft wood, so you're going to learn about having to pre-drill holes and all that other stuff because you're going to split boards. Um, yeah. And for especially for shop projects, I think it's fine in most cases. You know, if it's Agreed. something that's going to be a little more durable. You, you obviously want to get, go with like plywood. Uh, I honestly, I got a bunch of this pine for CNC stuff to practice CNC on. That's a great um, thing which has to been, use it for, for practicing. Yeah. On. And it, one thing that is really good for it just makes, which is the most perfect firewood. Mm. It's so good. <laughs> so when, Pops a lot. when you screw it up, whatever, just throw it right in a, in a fire. But it's, you know, it's easy to sand. It's easy to work with. It's perfect starting wood to like learn what you're capable of. And the main thing it'll teach you is that it's too soft and too deficient and you need to go with something better next time. I don't, it. I don't hate, hate, hate it. Like I hate stain, but I dislike you don't it. Hate it entirely. Like Mike hates it. Yeah. We just, for, it, I, I don't like it for all the reasons Mike listed. First of all, yeah. Yeah. but I will use it from time to time. I used it as the sub base for that bed. I just finished that makes it look like it's floating, but then I India inked it and made it black and you can't tell what it is. Um, and I use it for shop furniture a lot. Uh, my outfit table is made out of pine. My miter saw station is made out of pine. It's fine in my shop. I don't like it, like it for client builds where it's going to get heavy use because it doesn't stand up. It's not durable. And it is worth mentioning that there are numerous amounts of species of pine. Some pines are better than others. Right. Like southern yellow yep. pine is is more durable than the white the white pine you can get at Lowe's for construction furniture. Like that stuff is garbage. Old growth Douglas fir. If you can ever get your hands on it, that stuff yeah, pine is, is a very solid and name. stable. 
Oh, it's so good. It's, um, who's it? Uh, Scott, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, he makes just these beautiful farmhouse tables out of these, uh, old growth timbers and they're super solid and really hefty. And you got to look for the, you just, you can look at the grain and instantly know Doug if you have crap pine or good thing. pine. That's a different product. I yeah. mean, that's, that's not But pine. it's it's listed as pine. Yeah, you go to my a, local place and yeah. it's pine. I didn't even know that. I thought it was yeah. its own species. It's like pine in big letters and it's like five different species and they're all there. Hmm. I didn't even know that. I thought yeah, it was so its own you, thing. You get like okay. nice, like the tight grain stuff. That's how you can tell. If you got, I mean, if you're shopping for pine, just look for tight growth on it because if it's you're not going to find it's it like basically these a, you're not going to find that in the store you have to go to uh, a, you have well, to go maybe, to a hardwood oh, dealer to Sorry. find doug for that's old growth stuff you're not uh lumberyard i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the, the the home depot is i mean it's it's you could find some tight grain pine two by fours if you dig through the pile but man that takes a lot of work well actually yeah because there are home depots and lows that have some that stock uh s4s walnut and other woods so there, I think it's a, uh, a regional thing if they have a supplier that is supplying it. But I mean, by me, I, I, the most exotic wood that they have there is oak. You know, like there's nothing else. It's just like pine, oak, maybe something else. I don't know, but that's about it. And that's in the molding section already or the shelf <laughs> section. Also something worth mentioning, when I made that sub base out of uh, construction pine, I also bought two by 12s. And then you get the big arcing uh, grain pattern in them, right? Crowns and the frowns. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. I cut the pieces that I needed off either end, and that made it look like riff sawn pieces, so they were more stable. Ooh, nice! I learned that trick from Jay hmm. Bates, I believe. Just that cut the sense. middle out. Yeah, that's the that's the unstable part that's going to bow yep. and warp on you. Makes sense. Uh, uh, fun little fact that no one can really see this, but uh, when Dan and I were designing. Uh, his his uh, project for the customer, and then you like infusion when you apply a grain of wood. Oh. It just looked like like the the pith of the tree. The center of the tree was like dead center on like all the boards. It looked <laughs> it looked terrible. terrible. Like why would you ever build that? It would just blow up. <laughs> uh, anyway, times. Well, for that. Yeah, that's that's a that's an hour, I, and we barely quick, made it. I do want to say Doug fir is a really stable wood. And it's really good for multiple applications if you get the old growth stuff. The 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 stuff that's harvested yeah. is uh, garbage. Yeah. It's just as bad as any pine. Well, actually, no. Doug fir is still more stable than pine, uh, even if they're harvested like that. But the old growth Doug fir, like if you can make an exterior door out of that stuff, it's yeah. super yeah. stable. It's really, really good. Uh, it's still a softwood. It's from a cone-bearing tree. But it's really stable and it handles UV, UV rays really well. And it's just – it's a different thing than what you're going to get from the lumber yard. You just got to look I at how tight the, the, gra- the rings are right. together. Right, exactly. That's really the difference. So anyway, that stuff's – I'm actually wanting to make a front door and I want to find some nice old Doug fur to build it out of. So, um, But I think that's going to be it for the show. We're uh, we're pretty deep into it. This puts us at about an hour and 20 minutes. So uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for all the questions. We cleared out not nearly as many as we thought we would, um, but we had some really good ones. So that's why – uh, we have a long list of questions, but please keep sending them in. We love having the questions. Uh, we'll probably just do another all question episode next week, to be honest. Um, we've got a lot here and we love doing them. So uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for all the support. 
Uh, thank you for all the reviews. Keep them coming. Five yep. star only. Make sure the five star reviews. Um, you- I saw some of the new reviews in there. It looks like they still haven't fixed the problem. It, people were saying that they were only able to use five star reviews. Mm, I don't know if you guys read the reviews, but they're great. Yeah, they're hilarious. Are they? I haven't, I, I haven't yeah, done it in a couple good. weeks. I need to jump what? in there. They're great. Oh, I read them all the I time. I need to check them. That's awesome. But make sure to leave a review. Uh, call us up. Number is 754-CALL-AWP or 754, and this is the part where we always pause to look for it. Um, Call AWP. 754-2255-297. <laughs> Perfect. Or just email us a voicemail. We got some really nice emailed voicemails yeah, the, that sounded you, primo. Good. Yeah, you can really hear the difference between the Google Voice line and uh, the emailed in voicemails. They sound amazing. So thank yeah. you for that, everyone who... Uh, mailed them in and f- who uh, messaged us with questions so um, yeah for the podcast for me Dan and Pete thank you so much and we will talk to you guys next week oh, it's a wrap bye 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 b